Welcome to Tim and John's show, episode number 18. Uh, we just we were coming back from the biggest blockbuster episode we had with the legend G. Edward Griffin. And if you guys didn't see that, I would highly recommend you guys go over to uh, our YouTube channel and definitely want to check that out. And, and you know, better yet, I'd actually recommend you go over to uh, to library to check that out because what we did for the library version is we actually have uh, much better audio on there. So what that's what it's going to look like on the library version is you're actually going to get uh, you know part of the parts for the volume cut out. You're going to get all that all the all those goodies. Same thing with iTunes. Uh, the better version is going to be on there as well. But anyways, you know, do appreciate everyone who did watch that. It has almost 700 views on uh, our little channel over here. So definitely, you know, appreciate everyone who's, uh, you know, who watched that interview. Because I mean, we talked about so many bombshell stuff. You know, we talked about, uh, you know, we had Gia Ever Griffin talking about, you know, QAnon, talking about, you know, Nasara, Jasara, and the White Dove that they were talking about, you know, which was basically the Q of the day. Even got into a little bit of how the, you know, Titanic, how the Titanic didn't really sink, that they actually swapped it out for another ship called the Olympic. And I know it sounds crazy, but you know, there's, I mean, we just, you know, barely touched on that, but a bunch of really cool things and highly, highly recommend you guys check that out. Uh, and, and preferably checking out on library because who knows if we're always going to be there just a little bit more, uh, you know, housekeeping for everybody. I didn't plug the entire time uh, during the G. Edward Griffin interview. And so for investors in America, we are, we offer portfolio management services to people who have over $50,000 with the company Innovative Advisory Group, which is the the uh, investment firm that I work for. So, you know, as things get heating up, you know, in September's uh, historically is the worst month in the stock market for close to retirement. Right now is not the time to be taking gambles. Right now is not the time to be, you know, just, you know, throwing your hands up in the air or just, you know, going along to get along. Right now is the time to take action. And we, you know, and coming off of that, we did see, you know, a pretty bad day today in the stock market. So if we do go over to, uh, let me find it over here, going over to trading economics, we can see just a sea of red over here. Uh, Dow Jones on the week is down three and a half percent, almost down two today, which it did recover uh, you know, pretty dramatically towards the end. At one point it was down, I think closer to 900. Uh, you know, Team PPT. And it looks like the futures are already down too. So I mean, it looks like the futures are showing down another uh, negative 492, which, you know, back to back would be, you know, uh, you know, not, uh, yeah, definitely not, not great. And actually we're on the, we're on pace for the, basically the worst, uh, September in history. Uh, I'm kind of skipping around a little bit over here and historically, like I was, like I mentioned before, September is the worst month for investing. It actually has a negative rate. It actually, it averages a negative 0.8 where, uh, you know, basically every other month has a positive, uh, on the whole. So, uh, they call that the September effect. And right now, we, this is a market watch article and it says Monday's stock market sell off sets up worst September in 18 years. And just remember, you know, part of that 18 years does include 2008. So, you know, we started off the month, uh, we ended August on a high and then it's been down ever since. And so even with, you know, even with the bounce back, we are down uh, as of the writing of this article was down seven and a half percent with the market going down today. Uh, you know, that was probably means we're closer to very, very, we gotta be like right on the, the cusp of 10%, which is, you know, a technical correction. And with everything, yeah, and with everything going on in the, you know, in the politics, obviously we had Ruth Bader Ginsburg pass away, you know, I'm not really shedding a tear over that, but that's just going to be a whole new, you know, you know, what show going on with that. 
Uh, you know, if, if you wanted to amp things up to 11, that's definitely the way to do it, because now, obviously, what's going to happen now is the Republicans are going to, you know, rush through their person, even though the Democrats were like, you know, in 2016, uh, you know, we like, you know, you can't, you know, we've got to rush somebody through now. And then the Republican says, no, you can't. And now they flip flopped on that. But, you know, historically, guess what? You know, anytime you've had the president and the Senate being from the same party, uh, a nominee gets approved during during the year and when you don't they don't get approved and so you know the democrats didn't control the senate in 2016 so you know you know basically you know should have tried harder but you know what no matter who wins the american people are going to be the losers uh because you know even this last pick of justice kavanaugh i mean brett kavanaugh uh you know helped write the patriot act uh you know and, and nobody talked about that they're just bringing up you know all these you know rape allegations from you know when he was like 17 years old which uh did not seem credible at all and uh you know it's funny because now you know you bring up stuff about joe biden and you're like oh can't believe those women gotta believe all the other women who uh who are out there but john when it comes to the stock market sell-off uh, is this something where you're going in there and thinking people should buy the dip or do you think this might be uh just kind of the beginning of you know the craziness of you know whatever october surprise uh the market might try to pull off for us no, I, I think we're in for the same as usual during September. It seems to be in October, of course, it seems that it's, you know, usually a lot of uh, turmoil around that time. And uh, of course, this time last year, you know, you had the uh, the repo crisis. And then, of course, the, the financial crisis itself, you know, you had uh, happen on was it the 15th of September when Lehman collapsed. So uh, I don't think there's anything in particular that are, you know, uh, new other than you know um, buying the dip it's um, for me it's like I, I I am a guy that you know stays far away from the stock market as possible uh, once for because I I'm not an expert on you know investments in stocks and second is because I uh, don't like paper assets um, especially you know ones that are trading on ETFs or all these other you know uh, fancy uh, fancy things that they have now so i i just see this as another we're probably going to see a lot more happening especially now with this whole fair for covid now look at the and you know they're, they're all talking about the fair for shutdown with covid but what they really missed the skip and what we're going to go into details on is you know of course the the money laundering by the big banks i think was like two trillion dollars so we, we can talk we're going to talk a lot about that there's uh, lots of things surrounding that, both uh, you know, good and bad about money laundering, and that we're going to talk about your know, money laundering in itself. You know, uh, all the rules and regulations that have been in, uh, you know put in there uh, to really uh, you know limit and, and uh, make you lose a lot of more freedoms when it comes to you know having a bank account and transacting money freely uh, throughout the world on the SWIFT system, for example. Uh, there's there's a lot of you know mechanisms there, and I especially seen a lot of them now recently. Well, I have been receiving and sending uh, money like uh, forth and back between Canada and Norway. So uh, there there's a lot of things that could be said you know for and against you know all this money laundering. You know what is what has really been looked at as money laundering, and you know what is money laundering in itself, and and is it good or bad? You know should should we you know uh, you know um, you know, put forward that who who's to say that you know you you're laundering money or not, kind of thing, and and all the regulations and just craziness around it. It's um, I think you know the current volatility that we've seen in the markets 
Uh, you know, you're up and down, like look at where NASDAQ was down, like what was it, two and a half percent almost today. Then now it's up, what was it, up 0.5%? Uh, what was it up again, Tim, at the, you know, at the stop there? Well, it wasn't, um, it, the NASDAQ was actually up today and it was the S&P and Dow Jones yeah. that were down, uh, down in the But day. all the, yeah, but all them start, I think it was down like 3.8% or something, uh, NASDAQ at the top and it was, uh, no, sorry, uh, the Dow and then of course NASDAQ was down, I think uh, as much as almost two to 2.5% somewhere at the peak of the day, like at the lowest point of the day. And then I'm not 100% sure what actually brought them back up again, to be honest with you. I tried to look for some news, but I couldn't seem to find any uh, valid news that, you know, would really like everybody was talking about, oh, so stock, you know, uh, um, uh, tech stocks are overvalued, terrible PE ratios, all this stuff. And then meanwhile, they just come straight back up again. Uh, I don't know who's in there. You know, I, I think it was almost like a bind a dip moment with uh, retail investors. Who knows who was in there, uh, you know, trying to buy the it dip. It was all the very end. Course, I mean, that's I, what, yeah, I mean, I watched it. It was like about, it was almost down negative 900 at one point. And then all of a sudden it, it, you know, ends down somewhere around like 490 or 500 or somewhere around that, uh, around that range. I should have the exact numbers over here, but yeah. it's bounced between a lot of different things today but who knows maybe money laundering is good because it cleans all the uh, all the covid off all the money no just just kidding because you know that's what they're trying to now now tell us a uh, yeah, bad dad joke over there but yeah we're seeing uh you know investors getting out of the qqq uh which is uh basically a nasdaq uh etf and and that one uh, you know people are piling out of that and another big thing i don't have an article on this i should have an article on it but another big uh negative here is there's gonna be a quarter end rebalancing because what happens is uh you know let's say you know the you know, there's a bunch of obviously wild stock swings this year but if stocks are supposed to be 60 percent of your portfolio hypothetically and now all of a sudden because of great stock gains maybe now it's 75 percent well now you've got to sell that 15 percent usually you have which then would buy back into bonds usually um and, and so what it's going to do is create a lot of forced selling in the stock market to then go over into the bond market or go over to other assets to rebalance and that that number is going to be into the hundreds of billions of dollars uh and in a market that is not super super liquid which is you know basically what we have now where there's not really a whole bunch of like breadth and depth to this market it's just you know a few names you know really carrying everything and uh, you know, it's not even, you know, massive, massive volume going on. So, you know, if you have, you know, some big events or, or you know, as people start to, you know, realize, hey, you know, maybe, uh, you know, Joe Biden has a better chance than what we think, then, you know, who knows what's going to go go on? Because, I mean, Biden's talking about at the end of the, end of the day, raising, you know, like a corporate tax rate could be 70 percent by the time you get double taxed and then have to then, as the owner of the company, take the money out. I mean, you're looking at, you know, close to 70 percent once all said and done and uh and that's not even including you know state and local taxes and so at that point you know who are you working for if you're having you know 80 percent of what you're taking you know going to the government i mean are you working for the government or are you working for yourself and so you know that's going to create a you know a big negative incentive for people to actually work and why tim i think personally like 51 percent when anything over that is you work for the government uh but basically any taxes you work for the government uh taxation is that but it's um it's just interesting like to see actually the um, the insanity of those policies because they have failed many times like go and look at Greece go and look at Spain and and Italy go and look at especially uh, France where all of the 
uh, major, you know, millionaires and everybody left the country and all the productive people usually leaves the country when taxation comes up because the government was too big, it failed basically, and they had to bail out all these uh, government institutions and print a whole bunch of money and then taxes increases. And that's what we have right now, isn't it? And then we got that on the severe scale here in Canada. And for people that believe that, you know, taxes are not going to go up or, or would be, you know, stupid because when you add so much, uh, you know, stimulus uh, through the government and through everywhere, you think that, you know, every everything is going to be safe and, you know, everything's going to be fine. We're going to, you know, uh, be able to pay for all this healthcare and everything. You well, you, you got to pay for it, yeah. And it's uh, and it's usually with you know, uh, seventy to eighty percent taxes uh, that you actually in order to actually survive uh, as a government. But the thing is, today government doesn't even care about you know taxation really. But they're still adding taxes. But they could spend money out of thin air by just going into deficit spending. Uh, they just borrow money here in Canada, Tim, uh, you know, actually, it's interesting back in 1974. Um, so you had the Nixon went off the gold standard, went to full fiat. Uh, the way we did it here in Canada was basically by going away from borrowing from the Bank of Canada uh, in 1974 and then going and borrowing directly uh, straight from the, the big five banks here, like RBC, CIBC, BMO, TD and all, all those guys. Uh, in order to actually circumvent uh, the, the control that, you know, anybody would have if they actually, you know, uh, borrow, if if the government borrowed directly from Bank of Canada, uh, now that they borrow $300 billion, no, $400 billion almost so far, which is basically like 30% of the total debt that exists uh, in Canada in just a couple of months here, uh, if they were to do that and you had the Bank of Canada, it's actually owned by the people there, Tim. It's very different than the Federal Reserve that are owned by the banks. Uh, so, like, actually, uh, on the paper, people could actually say, like, no, we're not going to borrow to the government all this money. Uh, but, of course, that's why they started borrowing directly from the banks and not the... Well, they're probably the all bank. really owned by the Queen. I mean, because, I mean, the big banks, I mean, go, they're all, you know, tied back to the European royalty. And I'm sure that the creation of the Fed, you trace it back well, we, high we, enough, we, it's the Queen. We got Royal, Royal Bank of Canada. They're really <laughs> hiding it there, you know, <laughs> in, in the name. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's interesting, Tim, but it's... Um, uh, as you said, like to begin with there, I think like we're, we're really starting to uh, see another uh, big spell of volatility. And of course, people are super scared of this second wave that uh, might be coming to Europe and everywhere. And you've seen a lot is of- it, Is it a second wave or third wave? I mean, I, I can't even you know, keep track of, you know, what's going on here. Well, you know... the thing is it's following natural virus cycles. So the problem is that you will have a second wave. It's obvious. Uh, right and and the problem with that is you know oh it's gonna go and be worse than ever you know and uh you know all these people you gotta remember the, the reason why they had all these policies these crazy policies was because 60 million people would die uh but actually 200 million people died according to uh joe biden um <laughs> i don't know if you've seen that clip Tim. it's pretty hilarious yeah. Well, no, it reminds me of when uh, guys like Terry McAuliffe are like, you know, there's going to be, you know, 400 million Americans are going to die of gun deaths or something like that. And I don't know what the exact <laughs> yeah, number yeah. used, but it was something just, you know, there's a million people a day are dying because of AR-15s. So it's just, you know, whatever, like, oh, like, like all Americans are just going to be taken out, you know, over the course of a year through AR-15s, which obviously is fake news. 
going on. Uh, but yeah, it, the other thing that, that's kind of funny is I was taking a look at some of these articles about, uh, you know, the bank's money laundering. And, mm-hmm. and of course, you go to like Market Watch and like all they have is like, you know, just like, oh, bank stocks took a broad hit in the pre-market trading Monday and like barely, you know, barely, and actually, you know what, they've actually, you know, all it is is like basically a title. I've got it up on screen for people to look at. Bank stocks sink after report of alleged widespread money laundering activities. And you can tell they're trying to cover for the, and I think MSN might own these guys. Uh, but yeah, you go over to, uh, where is it here? Uh, actually, actually, this is an MSN article right here from the street. JP Morgan and Deutsche Bank, yeah, can't get rid of Deutsche Bank, named in money laundering report. Bank shares were reeling Monday morning following a report charging that JP Morgan Chase, Deutsche Bank, and other financial service companies had defied money laundering crackdowns even after being fined by U.S. authorities. And the report cited documents leaked by BuzzFeed. Yeah, of course it's BuzzFeed. <laughs> yeah, fake news. BuzzFeed News that identified more than $2 trillion in transactions between 1999 and 2017 that were flagged by financial institutions, internal compliance officers as possible money laundering or other criminal activity, including $514 billion at J.P. Morgan and $1.3 trillion at Deutsche Bank. So, man, just Deutsche Bank really uh, going after it over there. Uh, yeah, and it, get, you know, it gets in and talking about other banks too, Standard Chartered Bank, uh, Bank of New York, Barclays. But this also gets to another you know, whole other point are, you know, why are these, I mean, what the Patriot Act essentially did with, you know, because I've got it, when someone becomes a new client, you know, I've got to, you know, I hate to say it, I'm like, you know, I got to do all the name, age, date of birth, yeah, know your client, driver's, right? driver's license, ask them a bunch of questions. Yeah. And then An the AML. Gov- yeah, then the government then basically wants to have us be uh, like unpaid, basically compliance officers of the state to then report people. And then we're not even allowed to then report to people that they're being reported. Otherwise, that's, you know, some sort of big, you know, felony or something. Uh, but it's just... And then these big banks, I mean, they get caught, like, what was it, the HSBC Bank that got caught, you know, laundering money multiple times from the Sinaloa drug cartel. And then Eric Holder then said that they were too big to jail. And I uh, also want to give, you know, a shout out to uh, Creighton, uh, who's done a lot of work to help us out uh, and still doing some work helping us out on the website. So I want to give a shout out to Creighton. I see him in the chat. And also uh, Zach, uh, who, uh, you know, just does a ton of work helping us out, uh, you know, getting the show ready and, and producing it and, and uh, you know, all that, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, and then we've got another report, too, from the uh, International Consortium of Investigative Journalists. And it says global banks defy U.S. crackdowns by serving oligarchs, criminals and terrorists. And John, you had some insight about that organization because they were also had uh, something to do with another uh, report that you and uh, Josh had done previously. Yeah, this is the Panama Papers. If you if uh, most of you guys are familiar with they actually made a, uh, a movie about our Netflix as well. Um, and. Um, the Panama Papers was kind of like me, me and Josh, like we read through the whole Panama Papers and, you know, the people that they portrayed uh, being uh, the perpetrators of, you know, this tax evasion, whatever it was that, uh, you know, offshore accounts, like it was named like Iranian leaders, uh, Russian leaders, uh, basically all the enemies uh, of, uh, of the current, you know, left, uh, left paradigm, of course. Uh, but what... Um, what was more interesting about that though is that me and Josh, uh, before that actually came out, we uh, looked up the report on the, the OECD, uh, and I forgot what it was called again. And uh, I, I think it was, 
I, I really don't remember what it was called at the time, but it was a different report that was out there that was talking about tax cooperation and everything uh, within countries. And of course, like we were like, oh, this is like, this could be like a, we called it a false flag. Uh, that was basically uh, the Panama Papers was a false flag to then implement these global uh, rules on taxation. And actually, if, if you go and um, take a look here, um, I'm going to share the screen right now. Uh, okay. Oh, uh, you're going to have to enable me again. Just I think uh, I think I did earlier. So uh... no, I'm I'm disabled. <laughs> oh, you know what? It's because you know it probably went when you had to when you logged out and logged back in. That's that's what was going on. Okay, I made you a yeah. co-host. So yeah, so here we go. So I'm gonna I'm gonna show you the, the the website here of what is behind this. And actually, if you paid attention to the Canadian budget back in uh, 2019, no 2018, they actually had a, uh, a clause in there called the uh, BEPS or base erosion and profit shifting. Uh, base erosion and profit shifting is a, uh, as you can see here, this is the OECD. And guess who's going to the OECD uh, right now is the, the finance minister of Canada, uh, the former finance minister, Bill Murnau. He's trying to have a leadership position over at the OECD. Uh, and uh, Canada was the first country to implement both bail-in legislation and, uh, you know, this new uh, BEPS, uh, base erosion and profit shifting. And what it is, it says here, you know, on... Uh, the website, it says in, international uh, collaboration to end tax avoidance. So it says they're under the OECD and the G20 inclusive. Sasha, hey, no barking. Sorry, my dog is uh, a little excited here. Uh, so it says they're under the OECD G20 inclusive framework on BEPS, so base erosion and profit shifting. Over 135 countries are collaborating to put an end to tax avoidance strategies. Uh, that exploit gaps and mismatches in tax rules to avoid paying taxes. And uh, if you want to, if you want to tweet them, then you could uh, put in uh, hashtag tax avoidance. <laughs> no, anyways, but this is just very interesting. This is like the ICIJ, I believe, works with these guys. They're, you know, reporters that were meant to, you know, push this agenda, of course. And what you got to remember also as the BEPS got implemented, it was actually the um, uh, the Norwegian and a whole bunch of other, like I'm, uh, I'm uh, connected to Deloitte in Norway through their newsletter. And they actually came out and like, this is how you avoid the new BEPS rules and blah, 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 all this stuff. So basically corporations are fine. But it comes down to, again, what me and Josh said when this came out, this whole BEPS ruling and all this stuff, uh, it was, they're going to come after you and me, Tim, the small guys that you know, are moving small amounts of money around the world. And, and we need to be controlled instead of the big oligarchs, you know, that are around there that they're, you know, apparently coming after, but, you know, not, not, not so really, but all, all that this is about is it's creating another big framework of, you know, internationalization and, and big government, you know, under the OECD, you got to remember it's under the United Nations, the United Nations, it's, it's basically a branch of the United Nations, the OECD. So uh, it's another way to, uh, the, um, uh, the United Nations actually are able to control, um, control, uh, you know, our uh, approach to things and, and what we do in life. And of course, you know, they have, you know, me and Josh, actually my book back here, Canada Greatest Economy and the Question Mark, I have a whole chapter on the United Nations and 
how they are a, a pseudo uh, world government basically right now that are in place that, you know, have all the, uh, all the uh, things that they need to actually be a one world government right now. And of course, these and other policies are, you know, that whole uh, collaboration to create that one world government, of course, uh, with these, you know, 135 countries now collaborating. I do believe actually, Tim, I'm going to go and, and uh, take a look now on uh, Wikipedia uh, pretty quick because I, I think, I'm not sure if actually um, the the America, Americans like you, Tim, uh, that, that you're uh, like the actual US government actually signed up um, to the treaty at all, if they actually did here. I'm going to take a quick look here, but this is the whole base. You can go and look it up. There's a lot of uh, details on it. It doesn't look like they have the signatories here. I really wanted to see the signatories. Um, yeah, it's da, 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 da. So it's BEPS 2.0. Yeah, uh, we'll have to look at it after. But um, And you said they it, had bail-in yeah. legislation that was written in there? Or was that something else? Uh, no, sorry. Sorry, that was just the... I was talking about the Canadian government and being a good G, uh, G20 member. You know, of course, they are, uh, are trying to... Um, uh, of course, they're trying to actually, um, uh, you know, be a part of that whole... Uh, a thing of being a good world citizen, you know, being a one. Well, back in uh, 2014, it was the vice chair of the Fed at the time, Stanley Fisher, who was a former Bank of Israel chairman, which, you know, why do you have a, <laughs> someone who's a foreign, I don't care if it's Israel or any country, why, I mean, we're supposedly this independent and we've got, you know, someone else, you know, from another country being second in command. But anyways, he gave a speech in Stockholm, Sweden. Yeah, of course it's in Stockholm, Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. But, you know, they said that we're going to have, we're going to institute bail inable long-term bonds uh and now it's funny because that's actually hard to it's hard to actually define that transcript now even though it was on their website for years it still is uh for years and years and years and uh yeah it's just uh now we still got you there john i saw yeah okay I'm here. yeah i had to set it on uh a different view okay cool but yeah so i mean that's going you know that's going all the way back to i believe it was 2014 and uh, maybe even 2012 that they uh were, were they're openly talking about on their own website you know posting videos of them gallivanting around talking about you know how they need to have bail inable long-term debt and you know now yeah, we're 2013 canada put it in their budget yeah, it's not. So now you're seeing guys like you know Jerome Powell. We got an article up on screen now for everybody. Fed defends pedal to the metal policy and is not fearful of asset bubbles ahead. And, uh, and this is this is great. So uh, I don't know that the connection between asset purchases and financial stability is a particularly tight one. Powell said in a press conference after the Fed's concluded a two-day meeting. You know, so it sort of reminds me of when we had uh, what was the guy's name? Uh, uh, Neil was it Neil Kashikari where he was calling us you know QE conspiracist uh, I think was a, was a phrase yeah. that he was I was trying to say that there was some sort of correlation between anyone saying there was a correlation between the stock market and the Fed's balance sheet are just you know a bunch of QE conspiracists and you know and to see them you know doubling tripling quadrupling down in this even at this stage of the game is uh, you know is pretty remarkable and then i'd like to get your you know your feedback on this article over here where it has jp morgan pushes back on fear that all markets are japanizing and there is one part over here and of course it's you know jp morgan who's you know the main people sort of behind the fed who uh you know go on to say 
Taking policy rates to zero with strong... Wait, no, it wasn't that one. There was a, if some reason, my, it wouldn't let me highlight this one, but uh, there was a spot in here saying, you know, the Federal Reserve's ability to complete a hiking cycle after the great financial crisis built conviction that the U.S. is still some way off from rates that stay low indefinitely, according to an analyst. So, I mean, let me get this straight. So we were able to complete a hiking cycle. I mean, they were telling us back in 2011 that by 2015, there'd be like a four and a half percent Fed funds rate. And I mean, I don't know what they got up to, but they got up to like one and a half. And they were just a quick, you know, a couple of bullshit rises just to say that they could just so they could cut them. And they're calling that a hiking cycle. It's not a hiking cycle. All they did was you know raise it a few times because you know trump had talked the market up so much and talked about how great things were that there was no excuse for them not to be able to not raise them anymore and then as soon as they did raise them all hell broke loose so you know if you raise they were not able to raise rates they were not able to shrink the balance sheet and so why is this jp morgan analyst think that somehow they've oh you know don't worry you know it's we're not going to be anywhere near japan uh, you know, and taking policy rates to zero with strong forward, forward guidance is only a necessary condition in the road to Japan. The Japan is it, it's really hard to say. Japanization of the Japanification. Yeah, because they don't have a C in there, so like it doesn't of the yield curve. And but anyways, what do you what do you got to say about you know are we on the road to Japan or are uh, you know is J P Morgan right and uh, you know everything is great because uh, they said so and we were able to complete a hiking cycle. Well, let's uh, let's take a look, Tim. You know, I I like to sh uh, you know not not just talk about things without showing people. And here is, uh, of course, the assets of uh, Bank of Canada. Currently, as you can see, they hold gold, they hold cash as assets. Interesting, they hold cash here as assets uh, on their asset side, Tim. They actually have cash on their balance sheet. Uh, that is a very interesting little tidbit there. Uh, then, of course, they this have is Bank. This is Bank of Japan, right? This is okay. Bank of Japan. I thought, you said, I thought you said Bank of Canada, but then, but then I was like, wait a minute, Canada doesn't, doesn't have any gold. Uh, no, okay. actually, no. <laughs> no, they definitely do, do not. So, but yeah, again, so let's take a look at where, where are we at with the Japanification uh, of the economy? Well, okay, so what, what has been done there? Okay, so the government securities. Okay, so uh, lately, you know, the, the Federal Reserve has bought it. Um, a lot of uh, United States uh, total, uh, what was it, the number again, Tim? I think it was like 70%. Uh, am I right that they bought like a couple of months ago of the total amount of, uh, you know, um, treasuries issued uh, in the United States? Uh, well, I know historically they're basically uh, tied with, you know, they were tied with China in terms of China. In terms no, of no, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about actually like the, the Federal Reserve buying uh, treasuries. I think it was like, wasn't it 70% uh, one of the last months, the data that came out? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure uh, the yeah. exact number, but it's a staggering number. Yeah. And then you have that, and they own a third of the bonds. So yeah, so we're, we're, we're there with, with that, like we're moving towards Japan. Uh, of course, they got 538 uh, trillion. Is it trillion? Let's see now, this is million, uh, billion, yeah, 538 trillion yen of holdings in uh, government securities, which is government bonds in uh, in Japan. They got a whole bunch of commercial paper, which is basically uh, corporate um, corporate bond. Let's uh, let's go and see exactly what they mean by cor uh, by um, the, the, the commercial papers there. We're kind of like looking at, yeah, as you can see here, compromise of falling types um, in uh, 
to materialize in physical forms of commercial paper issued by domestic corporations, commercial paper issued by foreign corporations, which guarantees the asset-backed commercial paper, um, and then commercial paper issued by real estate investment corporations. So that's that's what that is actually. So you can see they hold a lot of different things under one uh, one banner called the commercial paper. Then they hold a whole bunch of uh, five trillion yen of uh, corporate bond, almost five trillion dollars, no five trillion yen of corporate bonds. Then they hold stocks, uh, six hundred forty-seven billion dollar uh, billion yen worth of stocks Tim. so they're actually holding uh stocks uh they do hold a ton of uh, exchange traded fund last time i checked the numbers 86.11 percent of all the total funds that exist in in uh, japan uh then they have real estate the old real estate here as you can see uh, in pecuniary trusts as they call it uh and then they have uh, yeah so that that's about it with you know what where they're at with actually holding different assets to them uh they say that they have them in pecuniary trusts so i guess they own them in through some kind of special purpose vehicles but bank of canada has done it a little bit different than actually uh federal reserve because federal reserve used the exchange stabilization fund to do the same kind of activity as they had here the exchange stabilization fund is a entity, a slush fund under the um, uh, the uh, run uh, the treasury runs it. The the undersecretary of the treasury is the head of the exchange stabilization fund. Tim and they actually use that to you know buy the ETFs, buy corporate uh, commercial paper and corporate bonds, and of course the Federal Reserve has been buying commercial uh, mortgage-backed securities, which is backed by uh, uh, you know uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac uh, uh, insured um a commercial bond so basically on smaller commercial properties and of course uh you know um apartment buildings and so on um then of course the federal reserve has been uh buying um uh, mortgage-backed securities uh, a ton of that they own a third of basically all the uh all the mortgages in the united states uh where they haven't gotten to yet not the uh, the actual direct holding of stocks we haven't gotten there yet you know uh, uh, uh the swiss national bank has gotten there they bought uh the stocks um and uh, they haven't bought well they actually have bought real estate uh indirectly through the uh derivative uh, assets like cmbs and mortgage-backed securities so i don't, I don't know where he gets his uh, thoughts from because we're pretty like we're, we're getting there like we haven't gotten as crazy yet but you got to remember that they have about 10 12 years uh, no they have 12 years head time on us compared to where we are today so uh, where we've gotten so far i think the japanification is by far you know and stayed in the united states and we're going there we're going to negative of course uh, bank of canada's uh, a negative official interest rate of 0.1 percent a lot of the bonds it's actually not as bad as in germany where all the government bonds are negative yielding uh but a lot of government bonds in in japan is negative yielding on top of it so you know the uh, from the analysis looking at the actual uh, uh you know bank of um bank of japan's balance sheet well it looks like we're pretty much there we just uh, are a little bit behind and we're actually accelerated way faster than bank of japan has that's just my opinion from what we're seeing in the actual physical numbers in front of you. 
Hold on, I was okay. I muted myself, but yeah. And then the other thing nobody ever wants to talk about is the fact that you have what is it? it I mean, at one point, it, I mean, I know it was in the high 80s, like 87 percent, and this is a couple of years ago of all the Japan ETFs being bought yeah, by the bank. Yeah, 86.11. Yeah, yeah. When I checked it last, it was 86.11. I think it was like a year and a half ago or two okay. years ago. I guess I was I, off yeah, by. I, I guess I was off by uh, 0.89. I guess I was close enough. But you know, anyways, it, what it's what it's showing though is. That is actual fascism. So where's Antifa talking about that? And the thing is, that's been going on for years, too. Uh, and I think at least since, you know, about 2016, 2017, where the Bank of Japan takes uh, money they never had to begin with. And it looks like your uh, your video's down. But we really go like this, print up some money. And then all of a sudden, they use that money to buy up their own stocks. And it's something like they, they are the largest shareholder and basically their version of, like, the S&P 500 in every single one of those stocks. Uh, and it's just, you know, that is the complete destruction of capitalism. That is actual fascism. And, uh, you know, and they also have bad demographic information or not information, but they have bad demographics where the average person in Japan is very old and, you know, they're over yeah. there, uh, you know, playing video games and, you know, not even caring about having sex. I mean, I think there was like, a, I forgot the exact number, but like a huge percentage of Japanese men could care less about, you know, being with women or having sex yeah. or doing anything. So they're not having kids. I think they're, you need, I think like every woman needs to have like two point one children in order to you know sustain but, the population. and most and, like and most important yeah and most important on top of that tim they're not doing any immigration like that's the reason why we have heavy immigration in a lot of countries like the big northern countries and germany and france and, and that's and why Canada europe was trying to bring in all was trying to bring in all the muslims is because they knew that that as a voting block was going to be a very big voting and block, they need so they new pander. debt slaves like yeah, they need the new debt slaves if, if they you know, it's have easy. inflation going, they need new people to in debt. And that's one of the major reasons on top of, you know, that there's uh, nobody left to have, war, <laughs> have the jobs that are getting created in the country, right? Especially when everything so is a Ponzi scheme. You, I mean, Social yeah. Security is a Ponzi scheme. Medicare is yeah. a Ponzi scheme. Even, even Medicare is actually much, much worse shape than Social Security, if you can believe that. I mean, Social Security is easy to fix. And, uh, you know, of course, and that's probably what they're going to do is the probably Social Security is going to make it so that way you've got to pay, uh, you know, no matter how much money you make, they're going to, you know, make you pay that uh, that amount. And, uh, yeah, it's just absolutely, uh, you know, it's sickening seeing that the path that we're going on and that, you know, here I am taking a class in 2006 on public finance where we're talking about all the problems with security and here's how to fix it. And now it's 14 years later, nothing's been done. And now every year you wait to, fit, you know, quote, unquote, fix it. Uh, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. And, you know, and it's not, I'm not going to, you know, what they should do, in my opinion, is, uh, you know, as long, I mean, they shouldn't even have it, but if we're going to come up with bad ideas of what they should and shouldn't do, I think what they should do is say, okay, everyone, okay, take the net present value of, you know, you're 65 years old, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, uh, you know, based upon your payment of, you know, each of you getting, you know, $23,000 a year, the present value, I'm just making up a number here, is $2.1 million. And we just give everyone all their money, all the inflation hits at once, and then that way the generation that mainly caused it, you know, the baby boomers and people who are be collecting it now who sat in their ass and didn't do anything, the, the, you know, as this was, you know, time bomb was getting worse and worse and worse. You guys deal with all the inflation now, so then that way, because either way it's not getting paid. It's either they're going to pay it, it's just whether or not it's going to buy them anything. And I think it's much more yeah. fair 
fair to have you know that generation be stuck with all the inflation out of the gates than it is to you know pretend that everything is going great when things are not going great and you know and just for you guys that are watching you know we really appreciate it if you guys could hit the uh, you know thumbs up or like button uh, which actually right now we got a very high percentage of people who have hit that so we really we really do appreciate it and actually reminds me I've got to hit it too so I, I just hit it on my end and you know that helps get around the sensors and helps uh, you know be able to uh, you know have more people reach his information and especially you know you guys really should check out the video john and i just did with Gio griffin if you haven't i think it's the best interview that, that we've done i mean ed was just on fire getting into so many great uh great topics but you know absolutely when it, you know comes to the japanification of america you know that's you know i think exactly where things are going and yeah. another thing that really kind of you know trails right into that is we've got a record number of companies that are drowning in debt to <laughs> yeah. pay dividends to their private equity owners and it says a quarter or 24 percent to be exact of all new money raised in the u.s loan market has been used to fund dividends to private equity owners up from an aye, average aye. of less than four percent over the over the past two years that would be the highest proportion since the beginning of 2015 according to s p global market intelligence so you've got you know almost a quarter of the companies that are out there that have been bought by private equity are borrowing money so that way they can then pay their private equity owners and if that yeah, doesn't that, seem like a rescue a, disaster I mean, that is a big big warning sign right there that you gotta actually like so there's no real profit so you basically have to use debt in order to actually uh fund your shareholders that's that's utterly insane but that's where we're going that's you know the the zombie corporations right tim we talked about that for a long time well, it's not even well. where we're going it's where we're at you know it's even worse yeah sorry yeah yeah the wrong kind of shows of words there but yes <laughs> no it's, it's it's gotten really bad and it's uh, it's just getting worse as you know more and more of these corporations have to just indebt themselves more and more and more completely financialize themselves there's no you know, creation of goods or services that have real value anymore. And nobody really cares about that. They got to have them to, you know, sustain society. But other than that, they're completely financialized. Most of these corporations, um, Tim, there's actually another, uh, you know, since we got uh, also a few uh, Canadian listeners, because a lot of my followers are from Canada, of course, I just wanted to show also where, where Canada is at, where in the Japanification. Uh, of things and as you can see here let let me just uh, move our pictures out of the way here as you can see here this is bank of canada's balance sheet it's, it doesn't look as scary as the united states balance sheet but what you got to understand is that the balance sheet of bank of canada actually raised uh it, it increased by 400 plus percent uh so that should scare you if you understand percentages and not just numbers I mean, we only, and, and I mean, we only, we, I mean, we only doubled in America. I don't say we, but we only doubled in America, and you guys went up four hundred percent. Oh yeah, it's ridiculous, Tim, and it's uh, and a lot of it is, of course, if you take a look here, you can see that you have securities purchased under resale agreement. So that's the repo market. Raised, as you can see, it's uh, been dwindling slowly, but as you can see, it's been shifting. Uh, as I, as we were warning, remember when I came out and said that they're actually, it's not just repo overnight, it's term, like they're actually like extending the terms now so they could buy them. And then of course they ended up being outright purchases at the end, right? When the term was over on them. Uh, so as you can see here, as this uh, repos has gone down a little bit here, you can see also the, 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 uh, Canada's government bonds here have increased, you know? Quite drastically over just the last month, they they're up uh, about twenty 
five uh, percent, uh, no, uh, about uh, what is it? Nine, seventeen percent, seventeen billion. Sorry. Uh, and as you can see here, there's uh, you know they actually have you know a money market, uh, provincial money markets that they're in and supporting and holding. Uh, they're supporting the provinces because now provinces are going bankrupt here in Canada. Like our my province went from a two hundred million dollar deficit to five billion dollar deficit. That's pretty insane, right? Uh, and then of course they've been buying commercial paper again. As you know, uh, no, they don't hold any commercial paper, sorry, but they've been buying corporate bonds, not in the same amounts as uh, United States have with their program with their uh, with the ETF program through uh, the exchange stabilization fund. But yet again, as you can see, like it's it's this whole belief that we could just go in and buy uh, all assets that are going sour. Uh, and that's what you're going to see after, you know, this is, you know, Mike Maloney has a perfect uh, video on it. He shows the whole monetary system, how it works and how it will end. Uh, he says at the end, you know, they're just going to buy up every single asset because he, how else are you going to keep prices from falling? So that's where we're heading towards them. It's just pretty obvious. But another interesting thing here, I just want to point this out before I let it over to you again, Tim. Uh, if you take a look at this, take a look at notes and circulation. They've been going up, Tim. Uh, and Canada is the only country that I found that actually is not eliminating cash right now that have high denomination, high denomination uh, notes and circulation still, a ton of them. Uh, and it's just been increasing and increasing. Uh, and it's just like, actually it's this week, this last week that they looked at, that's the only time that it's decreased for a very long time now. Uh, so maybe it's a downward trend, but they actually, you know, had 80 billion back like uh, two years ago when I looked at it. Now they have 102 uh, billion. Uh, worth of notes and circulation. So that's very interesting. That's actually physical cash in circulation, Tim. Uh, one of the few countries, the United States even, are, you know, going back on notes and circulation. Uh, and of course, Norway and Sweden are, you know, abysmal when it comes to notes and circulation. They uh, have eliminated most of the, uh, the coinage in Sweden is all gone. Uh, it's not getting minted anymore and so on. So but as you can see, it's it's total Japanification here in Canada as well. And most other, you know, nation, I look at Bank of Norway a lot too, and Bank of England, both of them are doing the same exact thing. They're Japanification. They're buying, you know, assets that are, are failing to, you know, save the, their, uh, their good owners, which is usually the banksters that, you know, want to get their ter toxic assets off their balance sheets then. Yeah, and speaking of all the, uh, if you want, if you want to get on, yep, thank you. Speaking of all the crap that's going on, what we do have is we have uh, a person out in Michigan decided they'd put a toilet bowl and have a sign that says "Place mail and ballots here." Except one of the uh, local busybodies didn't think that that was very funny, and uh, basically this lady, this Karen, went on to, to say uh, she didn't interpret the toilet display as political commentary knowing that many people are voting absentee for the first time this year because of the pandemic. She filed a police report about it. And uh, under Michigan law, that could result in up to a $1,000 fine and five years behind bars. She says, this kind of behavior needs to be quashed immediately. They are making a mockery of our elections, and I'm not going to st stand idly by and watch it happens. And you know what my uh, commentary on this is? If you're that fucking stupid to go put your absentee ballot in someone's display and a toilet on the lawn, 
shouldn't be voting in the first place. I mean, not that voting really matters anyways, but I mean, come on. I mean, sorry for the language, but I mean, really, I mean, it's just like, like, well, oh, again. I'm sorry that I, I like it, it would, the fact that somebody could get so upset that they would then, you know, file a police report because someone has, you know, a toilet on a lawn. Obviously that's a joke. And, and like, you should not have, your vote should be thrown away if that and i hate all these things encouraging people to vote why do you want to encourage people to vote i mean you've got like what the people that aren't active and don't know anything are just going to be susceptible to anything they hear at the lot you know from like mtv telling them to like that's what you want voting like you know you should have people i mean first off i mean i really think they should raise if you are going to vote i mean i hate even getting into this conversation but uh and it's not just because i'm almost 35 but i really think it should be raised to like 30 or 35 or maybe four or maybe you know you how about get, now how about now voting tim come on yeah, I mean that's that's what I would prefer, but like maybe if it was something like you get like between like thirty five and How about uh, hundred and twenty, then you eliminate everybody. From, yeah, from from thirty five to sixty, you get to vote, and then after that, you know, you, you know, you're Joe Biden, and you can't. I mean, the guy gets to run for president, and he can't even like remember his name uh, if it's not in a teleprompter in front of him. And yeah, all these people were ruled by or you know almost eighty years old. But if you're looking at Trump and Biden and Nancy Pelosi and uh mitch mcconnell and you know maxine waters and chuck schumer uh you know these guys are almost and girls are almost all 80 years old and they're almost all i mean trump is pretty sharp you know guys well, like, how long it had been in by the way you know like actually well, all like, of them besides yeah. trump i mean all of them like 40 plus years basically and, and, it's, it's, not, it's, this, and it's, <laughs> it's not like they're like gia griffin ron paul sharper's attack working out you know actually active these are people that you know, million people have died of COVID. <laughs> yeah, when they're not, uh, you know, drugged up and, you know, on their, you know, A game, you know, they have no idea, you know, what's going on at all uh, with these people. And I don't know, we had maybe a couple other stories. I had... Uh, it's, uh, it must be pretty desolate in, uh, desolate in the United States, according to Biden. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have uh, Kurt Cobain. Nope, I mean, the uh, CEO of Kraken over here uh, becomes first crypto exchange to charter a U.S. bank. So that's... Uh, they did it. They did so in Wyoming, and so that's going to be, you know, interesting. Obviously, there's going to be, you know, it's going to probably take a while for them to fully implement everything, and it's always, you know, why just... why Wyoming? Oh, sorry, that was a terrible joke again. That joke. Well, why in Wyoming or? Uh... No, why in Wyoming? I... Oh, why in Wyoming? Yeah. Well, actually, Wyoming does have, and we do we do have an, a recent episode on this. We got Caitlin Laws there too, right? Yeah, so actually I did an interview with Caitlin Law that you guys can find on my library page because I was having a problem uploading the library, but that one is one of the top ones up there. Uh, and so they have different rules there where let's say your Bitcoin was used five years ago in a drug deal and you had no idea about the drug deal. And, and now the government's saying, hey, that's bad Bitcoin that's you know marked. If it's in Wyoming, once you've had it for X amount of months, it's clear, free and title your Bitcoin, the government can never come after it. Whereas in other states, they could hypothetically say, hey, this address was used in some nefarious activity, you know, eight years ago. And now we're just, you know, saying anyone that possesses that Bitcoin, it's ours now or it's not worth anything. Or I mean, that's whether they can implement this stuff. But but Wyoming just has extra protections that other places don't. Uh, and we got someone in the comments saying Kurt Cobain is still alive. Uh, if he if he is, he looks like uh, the uh, CEO of Kraken. It's Je Jesse. Uh, I can't remember this guy's last name. I'm trying to find it real quick. But uh, yeah, it was yeah, it's Jesse something. But uh, anyway, actually, I, don't, I, I don't know him. He seems like a nice guy. I don't know. Actually, I was buying some appliances yesterday. I think I met Kurt Cobain too. He he really <laughs> the the sales guy. Yeah, he it wasn't. Uh, he wasn't uh 
you know, next to next to Tupac or something. And then and the other thing we're seeing is we're seeing a lot of people bracing for for cash right now. We have uh, after the stimulus binge, brace for a crash. And so the other thing that's you know really you know going to obviously turn a lot more political now is because of Ruth Bader Ginsburg passing away. Then now, I mean, how much cohesion is there going to be? I mean, not that there's any cohesion anyway, cohesion between the Democrats and Republicans to begin with. But now, you know, the Democrats, I can see them holding up anything saying, oh, well, hey, we're only going to pass this, even if it's $3 trillion or $4 trillion, Bill, unless you hold on to the seat for Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And I don't know, I don't want to give them any ideas, but I listened to five seconds of CNN the day that she died. And within immediately, it was, uh, we need to expand the courts. We need to pack the courts. Uh, and, and so that's actually how the New Deal and a lot of this disastrous legislation and Social Security and all that bullshit got passed. Because back in the day, there was like one congressman or senator who was like the deciding vote and he was going to vote no on it. And then FDR was like, well, you know, you want to vote no in this. Then what we're going to do is or it was a Supreme sorry, it was a Supreme Court justice that was going to vote no. And he goes, all right, well, if you, know, if you go and vote no in this, we're going to just uh, have like 10 more Supreme Court justices that are all super liberal. And then you're never going to have any chance at ever getting anything again. And then the guy, I forgot, the, obviously, I don't know the guy's name. It was like in 1933 you know, or something. And uh, that's, you know, a little bit of the background on that. But they've never have actually gone ahead and packed the court. But now it sounds like that's like not even a crazy, it, it sounds like that's very likely to happen in the event that Biden wins. And it's... Uh, gonna be nuts yeah no no it'll be very interesting um in uh in the american election that's for sure we've got some people commenting about uh about uh something about get under government law in canada they can detain you indefinitely for uh it says l lyris violations so the virus violations and uh somebody else saying uh Trudeau's father was a communist, and oh yeah, and you said yeah, you mean Fidel Castro? Yeah, I, seems like there is. Uh, well, have you seen the pictures? Yeah, it's yeah, pretty, I'd say it's at least fifty-fifty if that is. And, uh, and of case. course, his dad, his dad was down there, and it, apparently, his mom went by herself there. <laughs> Margaret, sorry, no, it's yeah. Well, we're getting some new articles that are coming out as I've been talking over here, and we've got you know government debt rose at a fifty-nine percent pace in Q two amid effort to halt the virus and so i mean having i mean that was already way too big to begin with and now you're exploding it at a 59 percent pace i mean unbelievable except it is completely believable because it's everything john and i were telling people that was yeah. uh, you know eventually gonna happen well just uh, just look at the we we talked about this last uh or uh, maybe not with ed uh, but the one before like so tim and john show number 16 we were talking about you know how the actual official budget deficit is you know 3.13 trillion but then the actual uh one is if you don't uh if you actually ignore all the uh, the fake numbers from the government it's 4.2 uh, trillion uh deficit right now and that's before we're talking about these you know two three four trillion dollar stimuluses that they're talking about to implement very soon and of course not to talk about all these moratoriums everything you know the the desperate of just holding the economy up while it's basically done uh is how much how much currency are you going to see getting printed here i think like a bit oblivious amounts that we're going to see in in the coming months ahead tim and of course you know as things gets worse as you 
we might have this, you know, uh, second wave and all this fun stuff, you know, happening where they wanted to shut down the, uh, the economy, you're going to see a lot more uh, craziness and a lot more printing of money. I, here in Canada, I believe the throne speech now, which is the, the prime minister is going to talk uh, to, uh, on the queen's behalf. <laughs> uh, and, and basically it's, um, uh, they're going to talk about, you know, probably, I think, another two, three hundred billion dollars, uh, you know, stimulus coming out into the economy. Uh, potentially, somehow, you know, the, the two major things is potentially going to be you know, universal basic income implementation. And the second one being green bonds, basically where corporations or businesses are forced to adhere to social de sustainable development goals by the United Nations in order to actually access capital in the capital markets which is just pretty insane as well. You guys should follow us on other platforms. I was showing Facebook uh, stats. It's only reached 143 people out of you know 31,000. And that's including 15 shares that I shared to other groups that had all had thousands of people in it. And you know, it's reaching, you know, you know, one tenth of one percent uh, reaching, not even viewing, but reaching those people. And so that's why when you go to something like library, you know, it's a way to get around the censors because they send you a nice little email saying, yeah. Hey, Wham published or Naomi Brockwell or whoever Max Kaiser uh, or Liberty Advisor published over there, also on uh, the podcast then that way you get it into your favorite podcast app and then you know that, hey, I can go take a look at a video because who knows how much longer they're gonna allow us to be up here. And maybe we're up here, but you're not allowed to see us or they you know, unsubscribe. You know, very grateful yeah, for everyone watching right now because um, you know, right now we, we do have uh, you know twenty six people like this while only nineteen are watching. Obviously, people you know come in, come out, but you know, really do appreciate you know everyone uh, you know supporting us and for you know getting the information out. Because at the end of the day, it's about getting the information out, trying to you know at least tell our kids and grandkids down the road that their uh, that their dad was you know trying to fight this and was not wearing a mask, and who knows maybe later put into a FEMA camp. But at least we were put into the camp, you know standing up or they probably would have you know i think john and i are probably on the kill list the blue list that they're not even going to try to re-educate to even go into a camp and you know at this point if you're not on the list you should be you know sort of ashamed of yourselves but we're trying to fight back as hard as we can uh out there and it's not about who's president it's, and really if you take a look above the president that's the federal reserve and so if it's business as usual at the fed i don't care who the president is and so that's you know that's where trump let me down uh you know but you know i wasn't really holding my breath on that but you know he, i did have some hope on there and uh yeah, but anyways, no, I definitely appreciate it. I know we're probably going to be wrapping up over here uh, right around an hour. Definitely appreciate, uh, you know, all of your insight and knowledge and wisdom that you bring to the show each as well. And this is uh, exclusively out on our platform first, and then later on it will be over on uh, WAM. But right now you guys are getting this first and definitely appreciate it. And uh, thank you guys very much. Peace out.